Welcome to the next installment of the Farzad Misbahi podcast. Today, I have the great Jeff Roberts with me today. Uh, you probably know him from all the amazing drone footage that he has uh, done for us for the last... Uh, how long? How long have you been doing this for, Jeff? Uh, it'll be two years in July. Okay. Uh, we started July of 2020. Okay. So, wow. So, so it's almost daily too, right? You've been creating these... These videos yeah, it's day. intended to be daily, but life gets in the way sometimes. Um, but for the most part, it's every single day. And I'll miss a couple days here or there. And sure. I know I went on a Christmas vacation that my wife forced me on. How dare that you. was a week. That was very <laughs> painful. And then, of course, uh, my father passed away and that mm. was a week. So yeah, I'm sorry to hear uh, that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But yeah. yeah, other than that, it's it's pretty much every day. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, the really cool channels that... Uh, even while I was working at Tesla, it was so cool to watch that happen because obviously there's so many of us internally that that are excited for that building to come up. And then you're one of the primary sources for not just folks in the company, but obviously outside of the company to see how that factory is progressing. And uh, and I just I had some questions. I want to pick your brain about sort of the things you've seen, why you started doing it in the first place. I also have some questions about Austin in general and how that ties into the build out that Tesla is doing as well, just to kind of pick your brain uh, on that stuff. But uh, but I guess I want to start by asking what what made you want to start this this journey for the last couple of years of going out almost every day and and doing these amazing drone shots. I'm really curious to hear. Sure. Well, I never intended to to do any of that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, being a Tesla fan, of course, we were at that time, it was between Austin and Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tulsa had that big statue that they put Elon's head on and, mm -hmm. you know, they were really going for it. And I thought they had a good commercial, you know, campaign. So I was really keeping my fingers crossed for Austin. And then when we got the announcement that it was going to be Austin, we were like, okay, where's it going to be? So we, you know, found our way there. Uh, a few of us quad squad guys just independently before we knew each other back at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember being at the site, I think it was July 23rd and I had my iPhone. I just, you know, drove around and there was no security back then. It was just like big flatland kind of moonscape type of, you know, dirt and Martin Marietta, of course, you know, with their cement trucks. And that was really the only thing going on at that site. And so I could drive right in. So I drove in, I drove through the back on this little trail and there, were, there was like a big earth mover and an excavator back mm -hmm. there, like just in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of cars. And I'm like, okay, this must be it. And I posted the video on my channel, which previous to that was just personal videos. And it kind of blew up in the context of my videos. You know, it's like, for me, that's a huge video. And I started reading the comments and people were asking, hey, can you do a drone flight of the site and just kind of give us, you know, incremental updates of the construction, like, you know, the Berlin guys and, and the Shanghai guys. And I thought about it and I'm like, uh, all right, why not? I used to fly a drone back in the day, you know, uh, drone 1.0, you know, back in the phantom days, mm -hmm. I thought I could brush off the skills. And so I got a drone and I did it the next day. Uh, and you know, the rest is history as they say, uh, except for when I got the cease and desist order, that kind of put a pause on the mix. But but uh, other than that, it's just been pretty much a daily grind, and and it's a joy for me to do it. And it's actually Giga Texas is almost exactly halfway between where I live and where my company is. So mm. I'm going by there almost every day anyway. Mm. So I just thought, when I just stop on my way to the office and do some flying, and then keep on trucking. And, gotcha. Uh, 
So it's been not a huge inconvenience for me to do this. And that's the only way it's getting done because otherwise, if somebody was paid to do this, they, they wouldn't be able to do it. It's just too much consistency, you know, but I love it. And I want to share the Tesla message with the world. And part of how they're building this factory is that message. And uh, a lot of people are, are into it, you know? That is awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. Thank you for telling that story. I think that's the coolest thing about the whole Tesla community is how passion drives a lot of these, these actions that a lot of us do, you know, and, and like you said, it's, it's for you, it's, it doesn't seem like a, I'm sure it doesn't seem like a huge time commitment because again, as you said, you're driving past that anyway, but I'm sure you're spending a lot of time, but, but I got to tell you, like as somebody that follows Tesla, it's something that's so like the thing I always think about is like, man, like almost every day he's out there making these videos for, for people, you know, it's like, it's so awesome. Like what other, what other company or what other mission attracts this sort of like passion behind it? It's, it's so great to see what, um, I, Look, what is the thing that's really sticking out to you right now from the time you started to the, to the time, like say, you know, the last video that you've made, what's the one thing that really sticks out from, from that, from that area? I'd say the thing that was the most impressive, uh, early on, uh, you know, we, I would call, you know, people from the city that I could talk to about the permitting process and ask some questions. And so I, I interacted with a handful of city of Austin folks and in talking to them, they've been in the construction and, you know, a planning business for decades. And they said, we have never seen a project go this fast. We've never seen construction happen at this rate of speed. And I heard that from contractors and just Anybody I talked to who is slightly involved with the build, they're like, I cannot believe how fast they're doing this. And I didn't have a, a scale to measure that because I've never really watched a construction process before, mm. you know, other than you know my own house, and that seemed to take forever. <laughs> but uh, but this is really ripping along one of the fastest builds on the planet, you know, it just isn't. So that was probably the one thing that really struck me. And again, just represents what Tesla is. You know, it's a company that's on a mission to accomplish uh, something great for the world. And the sooner they get there, the better for everybody. So there's major urgency in everything that Tesla does, and it right right down to building a factory. Yeah, absolutely, and I can I can attest to that internally. Um, what uh, does it seem? Because I know there were some rumors uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, that were saying like uh, productions. You know, it looks like it's going to start any minute. From from your vantage point, do you feel like that's the case? Like, what are what are some things that you're seeing that could back that up or or potentially refute it? Okay, so part of flying the site is we occasionally run into insiders um, that work inside the building for Tesla, and uh, we get little tidbits and knowledge. So we ran into a gentleman, I can't uh, use his name here, but um, he was kind of a higher up guy and he actually dealt a lot with Berlin build. And so he kind of bounces between Austin and Berlin and uh, maybe Shanghai. And he essentially, and this was back in October, mm. right? He, he essentially said at that time that uh, production, you know, not production, but test cars are already being built. Like they're, finishing cars at that time. And I, I, my mind was blown. I could not believe I was hearing that because I've seen no evidence of that whatsoever. And, um, and so the potential for production at the end of 2021 was there, 
they didn't quite get there, obviously, and they probably just want to have a clean, you know, break. Okay, let's start 2022. And um, I know the test vehicles have been sent out to the uh, crash testing process and other analysis, but I have not yet seen a new production Model Y in the wild on the site. We're all all of us are looking for it. Mm-hmm. All my viewers are looking for them in my footage because I'll miss stuff when I'm shooting mm-hmm. and people will see it in the, in the video and tell me. And I'm like, oh, thanks. I didn't know that was in there. Now I can see it too. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's amazing. It's like, it's a crowdsource, like trying to figure out like what's going on with Tesla. That's yeah, it's, so exactly. fascinating. And then some of the people in the comments know a little bit about construction. Some of them actually work at the site. So you get little inputs here and there and you put it all together. And I'm learning. I've, I don't think I've learned as much about construction as I have, you know, when I started this channel. Uh, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, I love it. I might even go into construction. Who knows? Nice. That's awesome. Fun now. <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. What? Um, so when you were talking to those folks that were telling you that this seems like uh, it's way faster than anything that I've ever seen from a, from a speed uh, build up perspective, did they give you some sort of like idea, like what the like is it two times faster, three times faster? Did you get any like any idea of what that scale was? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't put a factor on it. Mm-hmm. They just were emotionally reacting to how fa- like they couldn't believe how fast it was. But they, yeah, they didn't say, "Oh, it was twice as fast or three point four times faster than you know Samsung." Yeah. But um, I, I do know they did reveal certain things, like you know Tesla is not waiting for a certain approval to move forward with something, as just like they did in Berlin, right? And then being full, fully willing to back out of it and undo it if, you know, if worse comes to worse. But in most cases, from what I've seen in my very limited, you know, studying of building gigafactories, it kind of ends up getting approved and nothing has to be unwrung or unwound. So it's actually one of the techniques, just keep moving and the permits will come. And also the city of Austin uh, gentleman I spoke to said we give special allowances for projects like this big huge you know billion dollar projects are uh, put on the front burner and we give mm-hmm. you know we we do inspections a lot faster we show up we're on the ball because this is a big deal for the whole area so it's know? like expedited build out basically with yeah the they have like local. their own internal mode for projects like this where they go max speed on their end on behalf of uh, the project. And that that's really cool to see. I didn't know about that, about Austin, but um, that was cool that they can pull it out if they need to, to land us a big factory, you know, like this or Samsung or Apple or whoever else. I mean, a lot of big companies are coming to Texas and I think Texas makes it easy for that to happen. And that's partly why this is a great choice. Yeah, that's one of the things that I kept hearing before we, we moved to Austin. So we moved to Austin in, um, in uh, 2020, October. And, and uh, the one thing we always heard about Texas, you know, business friendly, business friendly. Uh, the one thing that, that, that uh, shocked me when I came here was how nice the people were as well. But that's, you know, for, for a separate video yeah. that really stuck out to me. Um, are you seeing any, any changes around the factory? So as you drive by and you so sort of see the plot of land, are you noticing like any more residential build outs, more businesses popping up or does it not jump out? I'm curious if you've seen anything in the surrounding area that's, that jumps out to you. Um, not specifically in terms of like, you know, new residential, um, development popping up, you know, up the street. Uh, we haven't seen that yet. What mm-hmm. we did see is 
as soon as Tesla announced that they chose Austin and they were working with the Dell Valley ISD, all of the real estate prices shot through the roof. I mean, mm-hmm. houses as well as commercial real estate. And the reason I know that besides being a logical conclusion, you can probably figure that out, right? Yep. But um, I wanted to buy some commercial real estate in the area around the factory. And so I called a realtor and they basically said, you missed it. You missed it. It's already happened. You know, the prices are out of, you know, they're out of the universe already. Mm-hmm. So we weren't able to do that. But, um, but shoot, you know, it really has made an impact in the area in terms of planning, because I know there's a mall that's being planned uh, to the south of the factory. And that's going to be a lot more of a traditional kind of shopping retail experience than what Dell Valley currently has, which is, you know, a pretty pathetic downtown area. Mm-hmm. But that's going to turn them into more of a real city that's going to attract a lot more people. And uh, I know a fellow that bought a house uh, very close to the Gigafactory. And um, I'll have to check with him and see if he's already seen appreciation, but he bought it right after they broke ground. So I'll have to keep tabs uh, on him, but um, to be able to answer that question better in the future. Sure. No, I appreciate that. I mean, I can tell you, I have one data point, which is our, our home. So we bought our home in October of, of 2020 and we're up in Liberty Hill. So this is like, oh, okay. like Northwest Austin, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like outskirts of the metro area of, of Austin. And um, it's it's doubled since since we purchased it two years ago. So really? I, I don't know how much of that is Tesla or how much of that is like everyone moving to Austin. Right. And I'm curious, yeah. like from your perspective, how, how long have you been in the area? How long have you lived in Austin? Area? So I've we've only lived in Austin for five years. OK. And we came from California. We were in California for 30. So okay. we had the same kind of, you know, culture shock in a good way with, wow, look how cheap these houses are. Although yeah. I have to say, you know, the phrase don't California, my Texas <laughs> does come to mind. Like, okay, now that we're here, just no more. All right. We don't, we don't want to turn it into anything that it doesn't. I love want how to somebody from California is like, all right, don't California. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I, I hear that being said a lot, and and like along along that line, like what what made you move? What made you move to Austin from from California? So similar to you, um, in the in the people regard, uh, when I visited Austin, because we we started a branch of our business here back in 2015, mm. and so I would visit from time to time to check in on the operation, and it felt like because I, I grew up in Michigan, um, so I'm a Midwest boy, mm. and you know, we had the traditional upbringing where people, neighbors talked to each other. All the neighbors actually spoke the same language. So that was possible. The neighbors would watch out for the kids in the neighborhood and, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So when I came to Texas, I felt like, man, it, this feels like home. You mm. know, it feels like that old neighborhood feel. And it still feels like that. You know, it's still a dramatic feeling of this is so great. And, you know, my wife and I, from time to time, just randomly, we'll say, we love our neighbors. We love the people here. It's just, we can't believe that we still love them. And it's been a few years, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's such a difference. And of course, economically, um, you know, it's a great place for any kind of uh, consumer good or service. And we're in the consumer service industry. And so our business just took off. You know, Austin is just a great market. You know, there's money here and people aren't afraid to spend it. And so we, we basically decided, you know what, 
I don't like California taxes mm. and just the cost of doing business. I started not liking my customers because they're asking too much. It's like everything's got to be a Groupon or they're not going to do a deal. Mm. And I, I just got to the point where making the trips to Texas was like, what am I doing in California when we could be here saving money and, you know, building better, you know, yeah. not having anything to do with Joe Biden, but, you know, for us, build, build back better for me. You know? Sure, sure, sure. So that's what we did. And, uh, the rest is history. So, and it, I, I call it besides my marriage and, you know, like having a baby moving to Texas was the best decision of my life. Wow. And, and you know, we've, we've only been here for a year and a few months, but you know, we say the same exact thing, my wife and I, we, and you know, and it's, and it's not that there was anything wrong with Pennsylvania per se. It just seemed mm -hmm. like, uh, this area just had more opportunity. It seemed like, Tesla moving to Austin seemed, you know, there were a lot of tech companies already moving uh, to the area from what my understanding is a lot of businesses were already moving to the area, but it, it seemed like, you know, not only working at Tesla, but also understanding the community around it and, and the things that they're working on. It seemed like that stamp of approval from my end that said, okay, Austin is like stuff's going to happen here, you know? So, um, especially if you think about the, you know, the vision that Elon has, you know, hoping that he executes against that and, and you know this area could turn into something pretty crazy and and i'm curious to see from like have you what what have you seen change since you know the 5 years that you moved to the to the area like what are the things that stick out in general or yeah in general or both i'd like to hear both okay. of you yeah well i would say unfortunately um you know, prices of houses have risen from the great influx of out-of-staters who, you know, had a different real estate market that they were coming from. Yeah. So it made it easier for them to overbid and to, you know, upbid um, housing prices. And then, of course, the city of Austin is really good about property taxes and raising them because yes. <laughs> why not, right? And so that's why I, I live outside of Austin proper for that very reason. I'm to the South, hmm. but um, I would not live in Travis County if you paid me because it just, it doesn't pay. It's more of that, you know, it's part way getting to that California mode right. with regard to taxes and just the cost of living in general. Right. But once you, you know, get out of that area, then um, central Texas is great. And I love it. Um, I, I do hope we slow down going that inflationary direction, though, because that's at a certain point going to stymie the growth because it'll knock out a lot of people who can't afford to be here. And we want to attract smart people to this market. Um, as we have more of these companies coming in, we're going to need more talent. And uh, the worst thing you can do to attract talent is have a really high cost of living. So we've got to keep it capped at a reasonable level. And as far as Tesla, um, what I, now I, I know you didn't ask me for predictions, but I want to hear them. Elon that was going to be one bought, of my questions. Yeah. Yeah. Elon bought, and I think now it stands at about 3,100 acres because it was 2,500 acres and then he bought another 600 acres. And so here's what I think is going to happen. I think Starlink manufacturing is going to be on the West side of the 130 where that cleared off pad with a lot of you know, things being stored over there now is, I think that's going to be the Starlink factory. I think Neuralink's going to come onto the property. They'll probably be further north and uh, they'll maybe build a cool building for them with a nice view. 
Um, I think Boring Company is going to get involved. In fact, we were talking about, we think there should be a tunnel underneath the 130 going from the east side to the west side. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, I really see that Elon is buying this huge amount of land that we're only using like 300 acres right now with, with you know, the gig effect. That's all it so, takes up. The majority of it is empty. So what's that going to be for? And some of it's going to be the um, ecological paradise, which is what I think that extra 600 acres he bought, which was the horse ranch. Um, I think part of that's going to be the uh, the paradise. And that's right on the Colorado. And he talked about the Colorado River and birds singing in trees. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of that area. And I also heard a rumor from one of the security personnel on site that Elon's going to be building a house on some of that 600 acre property. Now, this is just a security guy, so right. not super tight with you know Elon, but that's the word on the Tesla street uh, mm. for that location. So I'm, I'm excited to see any new builds on that property. I know the cathode plant is probably going to be next on the east side there where all that metal is being stored. Mm. So that'll be the next thing that we'll be you know doing drone flights for. So there won't be a shortage of content from that site probably for five years. Wow. So that, that 3,100 acres, that's all like connected land. It's not like patched up. It's literally one. Um, so there's the east side of the 130 and the west side of the 130. So those are okay. obviously separated. Oh, by the okay, the, obviously. Yeah. Okay. But most of it's on the east side. The majority okay. of it's on the east side. Okay. So, and it's all contiguous, uh, except the Colorado, you jump the Colorado to get to that new 600 acres, mm -hmm. but, um, otherwise it's contiguous on the East side there. Got it. And so, and so your thought is because the gigafactory right now is roughly one tenth, right. Of the land that's, that's there. So if it's 30, about 300 acres, you said, right. That is taken yeah, up. Roughly. Yes. So 300 acres, he's bought 3,100. So it's one tenth. So in theory, in theory, he can fit nine more gigafactories in that footprint. Right. And yes. then, but and, and that might be the case. Yeah. You might see two or three more gigafactory size buildings constructed, you know, for semi, you know, uh, for roadster, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like, because the, the one thing that I, so there was a, there was a talk about like literally right before I, uh, we jumped on here, there was a, there's been a couple of videos and it's been discussed like that whole X holding company, right? Like uh, mm. Elon's been talking about X and sort of creating that conglomerate of all his companies. Um, I wonder if we see an indication of that land, if, if, you know, if your prediction comes true and say a Neuralink building pops up right in that same campus, mm. could that be the indication that that's where Elon's heading, you know, because it's to your point is like how much, you know, like I know Tesla has huge plans, but like, why buy so much land when that factory, like how many factories are going to fit in there? Because after some point, you know, it, you, logistics comes into play. Even if you were to do right. 20 million cars out of that factory. You can't ship them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. and then if you think that the, the, the $25,000 car is going to be uh, easier to build because of less parts and all these revolutions in, in manufacturing, theoretically, even if he needs two more gigafactories in that area, that's still more than half of the land is wide open, right? Right. Um, yeah. That is fascinating. I did not know there was that much empty space. I knew he bought a lot of land, but I, I didn't understand the sort of how much of it was taken up by the Gigafactory. The fact that it's only one tenth is is nutty. And I don't, yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't do that. What you just described, you know, bring everything under 
under one campus, essentially. That's what, that's what it feels like. That's, you know, when you go out there and you just look around and you're like, there's so much more land here than this huge factory is taking up. Yeah. You know, he's going to start consolidating his forces and, you know, the Elon companies, uh, to that location. Now, does that mean X.com is going to be, you know, legally a structure? I doubt that. Mm. I don't think it would be entirely beneficial for this particular mix of companies to mm. share the same ticket. I don't think that makes sense. It mm. certainly doesn't in the stock, you know, sense. But I, I'm not an expert by any means. Neither but that is my personal thought is that it's not going to be one legal entity, but it's going to be one campus. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Um, so then um yeah man that's so i still can't believe it that it's only one tenth that is that just completely blew my mind um what so i know you were talking about having you wanted to show some materials on the on the video uh uh that we were talking about before was there was there something that you wanted to talk about to to those uh, materials you were talking about that you wanted to show or Oh, no, I, yeah. I had no intentions of anything whatsoever, but okay. I thought if, if somebody asked a drone, well, what kind of drone do you fly okay. question, then I could hold this up. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. This one. Okay. Tell and, us all about um, it. I mean, basically, it's an Autel Evo 2. It's an 8K camera. And the reason I have an 8K camera is so I can zoom in. And that way, I keep the original footage completely identical from day to day. And, uh, but I can zoom in at will, uh, on the post production so that people can see what I'm trying to show them. Um, so that's the first reason I got the 8k. Um, and mainly that, that was the whole ball game right there. Um, obviously this one, you know, it's a $2,500 drone. So it's, you know, once you get into that range, uh, all the features are there any way that you want all the collision avoidance and blah, blah, blah. But an interesting story about this drone is this actual drone was on the roof of Giga Texas for a day. Wow. The reason it was is because I had a battery malfunction and I was flying over the roof, coming back north from the south end. And the battery went from 20% to zero in one instant. And the drone forced a landing. So it just basically takes over and it oh, lands wherever it is. And you can kind of steer it a little bit. So I found a nice open spot of the roof, which isn't hard and, uh, and landed and then immediately went to security and said, this is what happened. And, you know, this is where I drew him a little diagram. I said, I think it's about right here. Um, but later I went and got the GPS coordinates of that landing spot. And I also, the next day I shot my video with a different drone and I found the drone in the video nice. that, you know, correlated with the GPS location. So once, uh, once security had that information, they were able to retrieve the drone and they had it in the office there. So after I flew that second day with the other drone, I drove to the security office and they presented me with this drone saying well they, they said what color is it i'm like it's orange they're like okay it's yours i'm like you know it's mine you told me you recognized my voice when i was walking up the stairs and she's like yeah i know but basically she touched on something that you mentioned earlier and that is tesla people using our quad squad videos to help them do their jobs and she said we watch your videos every morning we start the morning with your video to kind of set the day and know where things are and to, you know, understand the context of the site. 
Wow. I was blown away. I was so humbled by that, man. That was the coolest thing ever to know that not only am I not getting in the way yeah. of progress, but I'm actually aiding it in some small way. I mean, that is for me, that's priceless. I that's mean, that amazing. Is so awesome. That is so cool. I guess my follow-up question was because I know you had a, a season desist letter come in, but now it sounds like Tesla is happy that you're doing this, right? So it's like, oh, I was, yeah. was going to ask, like, um, what's the support level like nowadays? Well, I mean, we're their marketing arm, right? That's so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's all one big happy fan. Like we all get yeah, yeah. what we're all doing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we willfully do it and we willingly do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they, they understand and use that. In fact, I had Tesla reach out to me last year and they said, we're not going to pay you anything. Can we use your footage? And I said, of course, mm. anything for the mission, right? Yeah. And they know that that's what I was going to say. And that's why there's no money. It's yeah. perfect. You wow. know, put all that money into making cars. That's you know, so awesome. Batteries. That so, is so awesome. But yeah, the cease and desist thing, I didn't, it wasn't always that cheery, but that wasn't Tesla. That was the security that was hired by Tesla. You know, they wear Tesla hats, but they're not Tesla employees, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we had gotten visits occasionally uh, when flying because we fly from a real obvious spot. You know, the, the pull off uh, from the exit off the 130, the best viewing spot for the factory. So we flew from there for a while. So security would come up and, and talk to us and what are you doing? And they wouldn't tell us we shouldn't be doing it. They're just asking a lot of questions and you're just thinking, okay, the next thing they're going to say is, you know, you can't fly here and they never got there. But there was one day where I flew probably a little too close to an earth mover. It was a really great shot, by the way. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> it, was, it was a little, little tight, you know? And so the driver complained to his supervisor and that got to security and they said, okay, you know, we, we, we got to put the cap on this. We got to put the lid on it. So a couple days later, I was flying security comes up. Um, I was flying from inside my car and rolled down my window. And she says, my supervisor wants to speak with you and hands me her cell phone. So I, I talked to the supervisor and he basically said, look, uh, I am serving you with a cease and desist. You are to stop flying immediately. And if I catch you flying on the site again, I'm going to charge criminal um, trespassing charges on you. Oh. You know, I call the sheriff and we're going to charge you for trespassing. And so that night on my video, I put up a screen at the beginning of the video saying, viewers, I need your help. Help me get Elon's or Tesla's attention to ask for permission. Because I know if I can get to Elon, he'll give permission because he did for Berlin, Shanghai. He doesn't have a problem with it. So it's not Elon, it's getting to him, getting right. to that inner circle on Twitter, you know? So I said, let's just blast Tesla and Elon with tweets and see what happens. And it was probably like seven o'clock in the evening um, when my video went up. And by 11.39 PM, not that I'm keeping tabs, <laughs> um, Elon responded on Twitter saying, I'm cool with drone flights. Uh, just don't fly too close to people. And, you know, basically don't do anything stupid and you'll be fine. And then he mentioned, you know, security maybe overreacted. Mm. And so the very next day, I called my contact at Tesla because I had been assigned a Tesla security contact, which was actually a Tesla employee. And so I called my contact and I said, hey, did you see Elon's tweet? 
And he said, absolutely. You guys are all set now. And I said, really? I said, what about like the security know? And he goes, yeah, everybody knows. And I said, it's eight o'clock in the morning. How does everybody know so fast? And I was, that was another Tesla blown away moment in my mind where I was like, this company, you know, has a hundred thousand or more employees. They're a big company. They got big fish to fry. They're on a mission to save the planet, basically. And so the importance of the approval for my drone flights is probably pretty much the bottom important task of the day. Yet still, that got immediate attention, got resolved instantly, and everybody knew about it the next moment. And all of a sudden, the light switch flipped. And now it's cool to fly a drone over Giga Texas as long as you don't do stupid stuff. Yeah. And from then on, it's been smooth sailing and any interactions we've had have been more reflective of that interaction with security recently, you know, where it's real positive. And I mean, I straight up just say, hey, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the whole thing. You know, Elon, the mission, you know, everybody who works here, I've got so much respect for the contractor crews that aren't even Tesla employees, but they're working like they're Tesla employees. They're, they're kicking butt and taking names, man. This whole project has been so enlightening and eye-opening. And as an investor in Tesla, it makes me feel really secure to see that every day. And I can't imagine like, you know, I, I get investing in tech companies and, you know, new ideas and concepts and volatile stocks. But when you see it in front of your own eyes every day, there's no doubt of where Tesla's going. And I've probably invested more in Tesla since I started flying over the factory than ever before that because of that confidence that's gained by seeing it for yourself. Wow. I think a lot of the viewers on my channel are investors and they get, that's why they watch. They want to see how secure are we? Are we going to be like Nicola and lay everybody off for a month? Or are we going to keep cranking every day? And I'll show you through my flights every day, they're not stopping and they haven't stopped. Right. You wow. Know? <laughs> that's a great story. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Like that's, I, I can resonate with that so much because I saw so much of that, you know, taking like that human aspect of the company that gets doesn't get really reported on very often or is not that well known. But like it's you went through it personally, you know, it's like literally tweeting Elon uh, asking for permission. And like you said, I'm, you know, God knows what his list of priorities are. But right. this was high enough in his list to to say, yes, you know, somebody who's who's creating this content for the, the Tesla community, he saw that as important and said, you know, of course, go ahead and do it. I'm sure everyone helping you tweet him helped for sure, but he could have very easily just said, this is not worth my time, whatever. But it was right. it was something important. And I think that's really the really almost unorthodox way that Tesla um, it has this the relationship with this with its customer base. And it's not really a customer base. It's just like a, it's a community, you know, like the whole worker, fan, uh, content creator, whatever it is. It just seems so close knit, you know, even today talking to you, it seems like I'm still like, like working for Tesla, but not really working for Tesla. I'm still carrying that mission forward in, in any way I can. And that story was so freaking awesome. You know, it's, it's so freaking awesome that you were able to experience that from that front. And now something that would be so in so many other ways, literally every other company, I feel like, and if I'm wrong about this, you know, please, you know, correct me, but like, I feel like any other company you do this for, it's probably season desist. Don't come back here ever again. This is our property. What are you doing? You're trespassing. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that happened out in Arizona with the, um, 
uh, it wasn't the Nikola factory. It was the, what's the, um, is it Lucid Rivian? Lucid. Okay. Yeah. The Lucid factory, uh, Bears workshop, uh, was flying over that, those two factories, Nikola and Lucid and Lucid served him with a cease and desist and, you know, would not let him fly. And I think he was talking to them and they were in talks, you know, it's like in talks, what does that even mean? Uh, trying to negotiate some kind of thing. I guess they're really tight lipped. There's, I mean, for that being started by a former Tesla employee, it's really hard to understand why they're so closed off mm-hmm. as a company. Because even the legacy companies know to not be that closed off these days. Trent, there's cer- a certain amount of confidence that a consumer will get from a certain level of transparency of a company. And when you hit it right, then you know you're in line with the the, the current consumer thinking. Whereas that whole, I'm keeping it for myself. I'm not going to show you what we're doing, what we're up to. You can't fly over a property. You can't see anything whatsoever of our product, even though it's supposed to be rolling out next week. I mean, come on, what gives? It just doesn't make sense. So in that regard, yeah, a lot of companies would be of the same mind and just say, no, you can't fly over. I mean, you can fly over. The FAA says I can fly over any private property I want. I just can't turn my camera on without your permission as okay. the property owner. So right. that's that's the hitch. Yeah, it's like that. It's it's so interesting because it's it's like how much confidence does Tesla have in its own way of operating that they're so comfortable with you doing that drone footage? And like, to your point, like the confidence that gives you as an investor to be like, here you go world. Here's, here's what Tesla's doing at their brand new factory. It's not even built yet. You get to see all the ugly bits and Elon's like, yeah, sure. Show, show the world. Like that is, that is so confident. Like it it builds so much confidence in, in, in what they're doing, you know, to resonate with you. And I, and I'm curious, how did your, so how did your journey as an investor and as as a fan start? Like what was, what was the beginning point? It actually started uh, a long, long time ago, I think 2011, 2012 ish. And I want to say the stock was somewhere around 350. I could be wrong. But, um, you know, pre-split, obviously. So mm. if you look at the numbers now, you have to do the split. But um, and I started buying in and then things went south with my business and personal life and things just kind of crashed. And so I had to pull it out to use it to live, which was so sad. I will mm. never do that again. Um, so a couple of years ago is probably when I, you know, I would say Three or four years ago is when I started kind of dribbling, you know, kind of just that constant drip of money into I didn't even look at the price. I just, you know, bought it every week, um, you know, for a while. And then when I started flying the site, I got serious and I started moving chunks, you know, like the kind of chunks of money you have to get your wife's permission to move. Mm. You know what I'm serious <laughs> so, chunks. <laughs> and she, cause you know, she, I talked to her, I mean, she knows Tesla. I mean, we've, you know, uh, she understands what Tesla and Elon are. So, you know, she's on board with, Hey, as much money as we can plow into Tesla, do it, mm. you know? And we just finished building a pool. So it's like, I'm glad that's done. It's paid for now. The next project's going to just be constantly plowing money into Tesla. Cause it's just a no brainer when you see it up front and close, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, it's not even a discussion, you know, and then you, you know, you you hear this nonsense, you know, Mary Barra, you know, led the way and all. Oh, she led Jeff. She led. I mean, just open your eyes and look at this factory. I mean, gee whiz. (laughs) Yeah. So wild. Um, 
does your so does your friends if you think about your immediate circle you like your friend circle family circle were they are they as passionate about tesla as you are and if they're not have you seen sort of like a transition in that with them i'm curious to hear like have their thoughts about tesla morphed over time as it's gotten bigger i'm really curious to hear hear that from your point yeah so i don't have i mean a lot of my friends uh know tesla and you know, would like to own a Tesla, yeah. uh, you know, if they could afford it. And, but they're not, you know, they haven't, you know, really dived in. Uh, I don't, the only people I know who are this dived in to Tesla are the people I meet in the Tesla community. Mm-hmm. Like the other guy, the other quad squad drone pilots that are Tesla guys, um, you know, the, the Tesla Austin owners club and the, you know, people there and interacting with them. And so just everybody who I've met based on giga Texas has been one of us, you know, one of the community. And outside of that, my normal circle of friends, is just, you know, people being aware of Tesla, but not really understanding at the level of, you know, this is what's happening. You know, and, and you talk to them, they ask questions, you, you know, it's just like a religious discussion. You don't want to push your religion on somebody, but <laughs> if they ask a question, I'm going to give them the straight scoop and yeah. say, look, in my opinion, you should be investing in Tesla and not in that over there. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. If you know what I know, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, and so with that in mind, like where, where do you see the company in five years? So based on all the information you've gathered, all, all the things that you know about the company, the, your own personal experience doing the, the Gigafactory research and all that footage that you've created. So like 2020, call it 2026, you know, even if you want to do 2025, 2026, what, what is Tesla looking like at that point? Well, obviously huge growth, you know, 50% growth year over year. I mean, I'm, I'm just now going to start sounding like the youtubers that i watch the channels of with (laughs) financials in mind because you know that's kind of where i've got my information and i kind of check that you know because sometimes it sounds really optimistic and so it's good to have a gut check when you go out to a factory and watch it being built and you imagine okay is that number within reach is that possible and and if the answer internally is hell yeah uh, then you know that, okay, those are a good set of numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just going to go, th- I mean, I wouldn't invest in it if I didn't think it was going to blast through the roof and continue doing so. Right. Uh, you know, I had a friend tell me that, uh, he said, well, yeah, 2021 was a great year for Tesla, but you know, kind of, you know, you know, the inference there, it's like, you know, don't expect it to keep going. And I do expect it to keep going because we're just at the beginning of the curve and it's going to keep going and it's going to continue to keep going for probably another 10 years at this rate uh, before we see any signs of market saturation, which is the only thing that's really going to slow it down. Yeah, for sure. I think there's like a mental block with a lot of people where they feel like, well, it's already gone up so much in such a short period of time. There, There is a law of physics that will prevent it from going up higher. Right. And that is always such a... It's like, I understand why they would think that way because it's, it's, it would feel too good to be true. But if it's, if it's, um, built on fundamentals that say, Hey, there is, this is what it should be. If, if Tesla gets to 20 million cars by 2030 and full self-driving works and they have a $25,000 car out in the market, 
and the bot is released and the cyber trucks to hit and the HVAC works and the solar works and the utility works. It's just a math problem at that end, right? It's just a math problem. You just sit right. down, you punch in the numbers and it says Tesla blah, right? But here's the stock right. price. So um, I think that's the one advantage we have in the community is that we are so, uh, we understand the company so well, uh, or at least we think we do. We could all be wrong and this whole thing could like, you know, collapse tomorrow, but <laughs> I would bet my you know money on the other side where it's not going to do right. that. But um, it's it just seems... Um, like it's completely changed the way I think about what is possible, right? right? And having worked there as well, it's it's completely recalibrated my thought process around just because it's it seems very, very hard and it's already been done at such a high level, it doesn't mean that it stops. And then you stop and think, you know, okay, so okay, so then why would you say that? And it's just again, sit down and do the math problem logically you know try to figure out what's going to happen in the next few years is it possible yes okay then it's possible that it can go higher you know it's exactly. it's really changed my way of thinking there um so what are what are some things around the about the your footage or or the or the factory that you've seen that you want to hit on um uh that we haven't discussed yet is there something else you wanted to bring up specifically about that site I mean, there's just so many different things going on. Uh, mm -hmm. I, when I first started flying it, I call it construction Disneyland because uh -huh. you know, when you first go to Disneyland as a kid and you, there's so many exciting things going on, you don't know where to go first. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's what it felt like. It's like, where do I fly first? This is before I kind of developed my route style of flying and, you know, kind of my program now is very locked in and, you know, I've got my routine down, but back then it was just like, where do I go first? Do I go over there? by those excavators and try to catch them, you know, I don't know, digging up a, you know, a, a mud monster or <laughs> do I go over here and watch this crane? that's like so tall. I got to fly extra high to avoid hitting it and uh, swing around these big steel beams, you know, like it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. So every part of the process has been really just a really revelatory thing for me in that I didn't realize I even cared about construction, let alone, liked it or understood a little part of it but um it's amazing uh you know what you can learn watching something happen right in front of you and i think that's the value of my videos in the end from a historical context is you know we can go look back and sort of like how to make a gigafactory here here's how to make a gigafactory uh, right you know, here are the steps this is what it takes you know you're willing to do that you got the dough you can do it you know so much value is is like that's so true it's like you, you're documenting the the blueprinting of how to build a, a a factory that is better than every other factory before it so it's like you have the latest and greatest right and then next once the next gigafactory is built and that's going to be even better you know it's like it's an incredible it's an incredible value to the to the community um yeah and they and they keep improving and, and i guess one thing to address that question yeah is very recent yes is um with the Berlin factory, I believe they have the air ducting on the roof, if I'm not mistaken. And so that was the factory preceding uh, Austin. In Austin, we've got all the ducting is on the top floor of the building. It's like hung from the ceiling on the top floor. So there's nothing on the roof of the building. And I think the reason for that is to maximize space for solar because the solar panels have already started um, getting lifted onto the roof. So we're just waiting now to start seeing the panels installed. But uh, so that's, that's my thing. So even between 
you know, Gigafactory three and Gigafactory four, or whatever numbers we're on now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's incremental improvements constantly with Tesla, and so it's just exciting to see that, like that one little detail. It's it all matters. Yeah, and it, and it plays into that whole thing that you know Tesla and Elon keep talking about is that the Gigafactory itself is a is a product, right? Right. And so yeah. a change like that is no different than. You know, Tesla changing the HVAC system, you know, super bottle, whatever else they did in the Model Three and the Model Y, it's no different. Right. And seeing that play out physically is is super fun. You know? Yeah, and I think you know when I first heard that you know the idea that the factory is a product, I thought, why didn't I think of that? That is so genius. It totally should be the product. You know, and Elon even goes further now and says, you know, in the end. The uh, Tesla is going to be known for manufacturing. You know, in the end, that's what we're going to be. Sort of like Henry Ford is known for the assembly line. Yeah. It's like that. Tesla is going to be the company that reinvented manufacturing and made it possible to do this. And uh, and I believe that because they they think different enough and they're willing to improve incrementally and they're willing to let the guy at the bottom of the totem pole go to the guy at the top of the totem pole in one fell swoop with no you're not going to get fired in fact you're probably going to get a bonus or whatever because you just saved us five million dollars right i mean that's the culture you want at a company it's amazing that you know the anti uh handbook handbook you know i'm thinking about adopting that for my company you know? sure yeah <laughs> it's a really powerful way to to run a business that that book really did go a long way. I mean, speaking about it internally, it's like that. That was such a shock because I didn't know anything about it when I joined the company. And that was that was a sh or maybe I, I had heard rumors. I can't remember. But I joined it and I and I read this thing and I'm like, because usually when you when you join and it's H H R, it's like you know, here's all the paperwork you got to sign. And of course, there was paperwork you had to sign that said you know you can't go in there and steal stuff or whatever. But um, but like here are the rules. It's uh, a page and a half or two pages. Uh, and I read it. It's like. Literally, you know, we trust you to do, we empower you. You can talk to anybody. Uh, always think, you know, to do the best thing for the company from a first principles perspective. You know, there should never be uh, any sort of bureaucracy in between you and trying to get to a problem. That's it. Go play. I'm like, okay, all right, let's go. You know, it's, it's really a great tool. It's a great tool. And um, I would encourage anybody who owns a business or is looking to uh, uh, set up some sort of way of, of running a business, I would highly encourage them to adopt that because it does make a difference. Even just from a standpoint of, of, uh, of setting a culture and, and getting, if making people feel empowered, it's huge. It goes a long way. People read it. People have read it. And, and that's one thing that always stands out to them is like, wow, this thing is, is great. So um, yeah. Well, the, the, the one caveat is if you're a CEO and you do want to use the anti-handbook handbook, you also have to sleep on the factory floor yes. one night. You got to talk to, you got to talk, <laughs> you to talk gotta, and walk, walk to walk. walk. Right? Exactly. It's so true. Um, what is, um, oh, do I still have you for a few more minutes? I know we're running up on an hour. Is... Um, yes, sir. Let's okay. go an hour. That's fine. Okay, cool. Uh, five more minutes. Perfect. What, what is the biggest weakness that you've seen? So if, if there's a weakness you want to call out from what you've seen so far on your drone footage, like be it egress, you know, uh, issues, or you're, you're seeing something that could potentially become a problem from like, a, you know, is a lot going to be big enough that we have enough space to build this lot out to make sure there's enough parking. Does anything stand out from your perspective? 
Well, I know for a while there, we were all concerned about water management because that's a huge part of a project like this. And especially with the Colorado there, um, there's a lot of attention that gets focused on water management and water handling and, you know, dewatering earlier in construction. Um, And so that was kind of, you know, you know, because you have to put it in the context of, well, this is Tesla and Elon, and I'm sure... I'm sure they can see this happening, but either way, you know, I did some in my bonus time on my videos is that's where I kind of freewheel and just, you know, go anywhere the action is. And so I would do, if I was concerned about the water management, I would go and do kind of like a water management bonus time. Mm. Cause I know enough of the Tesla people are watching the videos cause it's easier than, you know, making them themselves. Right. And they're mm. already there every day. And uh, so as long as I feel like, okay, I'm going to message this to the staff this way, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but it looks bad from this angle. Mm-hmm. So let me show you this angle. There was another case where there was a steel beam um, that was off kilter because I think the column was too short. Mm-hmm. And so the steel beam was at a different angle than the rest of the roof line. And you could see it from the, the air really easily. I wasn't sure if you could see it that easily from the ground. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know if, you know, the team had the perspective to be able to extrapolate that there might be a problem. So I actually um, sent a clip of that footage to one of the contacts uh, that works higher up in Tesla um, at the site. And I never heard back anything, not that I was expecting to, but, you know, it's just little stuff like that. Um, I feel like at least if I do have, a novice concern, you know, and I, I'm probably wrong 100% of the time on them. But even if I did have a legit concern that was actually a problem and I did something about it and it got fixed, because, you know, the next day that beam got fixed, they shored up that column uh, with another hunk of metal and then reattached the beam and it was all, you know, hunky dory. Mm. So, you know, you never know if you had anything to do with it or if it's coincidence or if they planned it that way all along. But you know, you look at it like a team effort, you know, like I'm, I certainly don't want to get away, uh, get in the way of building the factory. And if I can help in any way, I will, you know, um, but that's great. It's crowdsourcing OSHA and safety. How awesome is that? (laughs) That is so sick. That is so cool. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. It's, it's awesome that really the, the service you're, you're doing to the Tesla community is amazing. You know, the fact that you're out there every day creating these uh, videos and the fact that Tesla is using them to make that a factory build out safer and better is I think uh, such a such a gift to them and such a gift to the Tesla community. And of course, that's your time that you're taking to do that. So thank you so much from, you know, on the behalf of the Tesla community um, and having worked at Tesla, I can also tell you like uh, stuff like that is incredibly valuable for 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 the employees working there. So it's it's great that you're doing this. Um, you know, keep doing it as, as long as it's fun for you and as, as long as you want to do it. And uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me uh, for a little bit here. And we should grab a drink sometime. You know, we both live in Austin. I would love to uh, take you out in a, uh, to, a, to a beer and maybe grab some food and, and have a drink if that's cool with you. Yeah, you're on. Awesome, Stay. man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate you. Uh, and I appreciate everyone watching. We'll talk to you guys later. See you in the next All one. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you.